Hey, good morning, everybody. I wanted to um, start our time together by sharing a, a story that um, is really about my mom, and she's heard it before. But um, I was at a dinner a few years ago, right after our oldest son, August, was born. And um, we're at this dinner, and it's uh, parents who have young kids. You might have been there, Casey. I think you maybe were there. But anyway, so we're at this dinner. We all have young kids, and the host of the dinner asks this question. He says, um, what are you going to do differently than your parents, and what are you going to do the same as your parents? And I kind of panicked and looked at George because we have a one-year-old, and it's like, well, we really haven't thought about our parenting strategy at all. We've got a baby, but we probably should. And I'm looking around like, does anybody else know what they're going to do? And so other people chime in, and I start thinking about it, and the answers come to me pretty quickly. I was surprised. The first thing that I that kind of came to the front, forefront of my mind was, what am I going to do differently than my parents? And I, I have to, I'm like, this is me being honest. I'm not exaggerating. We were never on time anywhere growing up. I promise, Mom, this will be so honoring and not a roast. <laughs> she knows. She knows where I'm going with this. But we were just... We were late everywhere. It was like we planned to be late. That's how consistently late we were. And we forgot stuff that we were supposed to bring all the time. Like I have a vivid memory of like showing up for my dance recital. We're doing singing in the rain. Everyone's in a raincoat. Who does not have a raincoat? Me. We're, you know, it's soccer practice and we're on snack and the oranges are not sliced. You know, it's like we just didn't. And I like the way I'm wired, like long to be like you know, have the cookie cutter sandwich in my lunch. You know, some moms do that, like stamp it out and it's like all perfect. And that's what I wanted so bad was like the, you know, perfect little bento box lunch that I make my kid now. Okay. So I'm like, this is what I am not going to do as a parent. I'm not going to be late. I'm going to remember what we say we're going to sign up for. Again, mom, I love you. And um, it comes to me. I'm like, that's it. That's what I'm going to do differently. And then I start thinking about what am I going to do the same as my parents? When, I, when we raise our kids. And George is thinking of his own answer too. This is just me. And just as quickly as that answer came to me, I'm reminded of a moment where we're in Chicago, same era as like all this other stuff happening where we're late and forget soccer snack and stuff. And we are pulling out the driveway. We're probably late. We're about to go somewhere. We might've forgotten what we're bringing, but the neighbor walks out of her house and my mom's like, hey, Julie. And Julie's like, hey, Denise. And my mom, roll, you know, rolls down her window or opens, cracks open the door, and she's like, how are you? And um, she's like, okay, you know, and gives one of those nods. And my mom's like, hang on, you guys. Puts the car in park. We're in the backseat. Uh, you know, like, let's go, mom. You know that feeling of when you're a kid and you just have no patience. And my mom goes over and stands next to this woman and asks her how she's doing. And she starts unloading her life, her marriage, what's going on in her family. She's crying. There's a moment. My mom's ministering to her, praying with her, has just this powerful encounter that I guarantee you this woman would remember the rest of her life. And you all know my beautiful mother. She will never talk about herself and what she's done and what's on her resume, but she has done women's ministry at some of the biggest churches in the country. She's published and written books and small group curriculum that has won awards and literally like been so successful that it put me through college. And yet the ministry that I watched her do growing up 
the powerful thing that I will never forget that what I want to emulate in my parenting is that none of the ministry that I watched you do ever was related to your position or your title. It was always, you saw a moment, you saw a woman, you saw a face, and you took the time and you stopped because that mattered more. And you just looked at him and you ministered to him and you cared for him. And we have been blessed by my mom's ministry in this way. Stopping and slowing down and taking the moment. We always had a bowl of chocolate chip cookie dough on the counter that was in process. And I don't even know if she knew who it was going to be for yet, the cookies that she was making. She just knew that she needed to make them and that there was going to be somebody who needed to give them. And that was like her entry, her open door into their lives and into their heart. And your ministry has been powerful because of it. I don't know if any woman would say, well... It was Denise's position as, you know, X, Y, and Z, but they would say, Denise was my friend. She showed up for me. She was present. She stopped and slowed down and cared for my heart, and I love that about you, Mom. And so I'm reading about the life of Jesus, and I'm studying for this sermon that I'm writing a couple of years ago, and I see that Jesus did a similar thing. You know, all of the people are like, Jesus, this way, this way, Lazarus is dying. Come over here. We need to get on the road. And Jesus is so focused on exactly where he needs to be and what he needs to do. And I had this light bulb moment where all of a sudden everything was clear. The reason that we were always late and that we sometimes forgot the snack and dropped the ball is because you were focused on the thing that mattered most. It's because you had your priorities straight. And it meant it's okay that the sandwich is not cut out in the shape of a heart because I'm taking care of someone's actual heart that needs the Lord, that needs to be ministered to and cared for. It's okay that we're late. It really doesn't matter that much. And you demonstrated that for me. And when, it, when I realized that, it took me until I was a parent of my own and had young kids to realize that that was actually an intentional decision to prioritize that above the other thing above the soccer snack, so much more important. And I got to tell you, you guys, when we read the word of God, when I read the word of God, this is what happens. We have those light bulb moments that take what was literally in our past black and white. This is how I grew up. This is how I was raised. This is how things were for me. And all of a sudden, it's like I see it with a whole new lens. I appreciate my mom for modeling that for me. I appreciate that she showed me how to let some things go in favor of the things that matter most and to not let those go. Do you see what I'm saying? It totally shifted my whole perspective. It changed my thinking. It went from black and white to color. And scripture does that. As we read the word of God, it is like a light bulb goes off and we're like, oh my gosh, I get it. I see clearly now. It all makes sense. It's like a light bulb turning on. It's like refreshment and water to a wilting plant when all of a sudden you see like the leaves start um, perking back up. You know, you have that plant where you, like it starts to droop, you get a little water, perks back up. It's amazing. It starts to bloom. It starts to grow. I can't, I'm, I'm watching these plants on my windowsill thinking like, this is the word of God in my life. Like water, every day I water this sweet little plant that August made in children's church for Mother's Day. And it's growing beautifully from Mother's Day, that tiny little pansy in the can. You know what I'm talking about? That's what the word of God does for us. The word of God is like when we're at a dead end and we think there is no way out and we are hopeless and there's nowhere to go. It's like that, that other way, that little path that we didn't see before. And scripture says this in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. 
sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the word of God does. And if you've heard this verse before, you probably have. I just realized it's one of the most popular verses in the Bible. I didn't know that. Um, Maybe you've reduced it down to the word is alive and and active and powerful. That's kind of how I think of it. But there is so much here. And so I want to do what my dad modeled last week, which was so much fun. If you're, maybe it's because I'm nerdy, but like to get into the words and to really understand his process for reading the text and to do it together so that we walk away and go, oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I haven't thought about looking at scripture that way or asking that question when I open the word of God. We're going to do a little bit more of that this morning so that we can just pull out the full richness of this text. So let's pray. And then um, Hebrews, I want you to have it open as we um, just get into it together. Lord, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for my mom modeling Jesus to me in so many ways. And Lord, I thank you for um, each of us who are sitting in this room by design. Lord, I ask that your word would speak powerfully to us and do a work in our hearts and minds, stir up new things, transform us as we are literally pierced all the way to our thoughts and heart and intentions with truth. Speak to us this morning. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I need a little audience participation, okay? This is a small group, so you might get called out by name. I think I know everybody's name in here today. Just kidding. Um, Okay, let's look at this. The first thing that I do when I'm studying a passage from the Bible is I take you back to freshman year English class, and I circle all the, go Becca, I circle all the prepositions and transitions and the adjectives and the the subject, and let's like look at the words, okay? So will you just press in with me for a minute? The very first word of this passage, I'm going to tell you because it took us a really long time to get there at the beach. This is kind of alarming, but um, the very first word of this passage is the word what? For. Okay, I want you to do a big black circle around the word for because it is so significant. Why? Because for... I'll tell you, is a coordinating conjunction. And what that means, I know I'm so nerdy, I love this. I studied Bible exposition, by the way. (laughs) What that means is that this word is connected to another thought that has already been stated. It's connected with context. And so this word actually holds us accountable to go back to make sure we understand that this verse, this whole verse and idea is connected to something else. And we want to know what the something else is, right? So that's going to hold us accountable to go back. So we see that word for. And then let's um, figure out what's the subject of this sentence. Let's put like a big box around the word. Okay, let's put a big, huge box around the word. That's the subject of the sentence. The word of God. What does the word of God do? What describes the word of God? Let's think of all those words. What does the word of God do? What describes it? Yell it out. It's living. Circle living or underline it. It's active. What else? It's sharp. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. What else? 
It's piercing. Okay, what do we have after piercing? Piercing the division of, we got some phrases here. I put like a little line under soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and intentions. That might be significant. Let's see. Let's see what those are all about. <clears throat> and then what's the last word in this sentence? In this verse, heart. I had a little heart around heart because I thought it was cute. But I, the point of, do, of this exercise and of kind of walking you through, I don't want to just tell you what I think this passage is about. I want us to go there together, to discover it together for ourselves. And so when I am thinking like, okay, Luke says, Brooke, you're teaching on Hebrews 4.12. This is what I do. I literally just sit down at my table with the Lord and I pray and I open the word and I circle all these words and I go, okay, what does this stuff mean? What does four mean? What do all these descriptors, what is, what is it describing? And that's the process that we're going to go through together to really get the richness out of here. So um, back to the very first word, four. This is our context. Remember, holding us accountable to going back to make sure we understand all of it. We're in the middle of the book of Hebrews, and Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians to exhort them and to encourage them because they're getting tired. They're like, is it really worth this, like this faith thing? Because I'm really wanting to trust in myself. I'm really, I, I don't know, like I believe it, and I know Jesus is real and all of this stuff, but I'm just kind of wanting to do it my own way now. And the author of Hebrews is like, press in and press on. This matters, and there's actually reward when we trust the Lord. So trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. And that's where we get to verse 10. Oh my gosh, verse 10 starts with another four, which is so good because this is like a treasure hunt, you guys. If I had all the time in the world, I would just be like, okay, we got to back up past verse 10 because verse 10 is just a few verses before verse 12. You're, are you with me? Yeah, okay. So I'm like, we should go even further back. And then we go back to verse eight and it's like Joshua. Oh, Joshua, who's he? We got to go all the way back to the Old Testament. And the next thing you know, if you just open your Bible and you're like, I'm going to study Hebrews 4.12, you will probably, if you're looking at all these words, not even get to Hebrews 4.12 because you're going back and you're just discovering and putting pieces together. But by the time you finally get to it, you're like, oh, wow. I had no idea. It's not just living. It's all this stuff, all this meaning behind it. So for the sake of time, just again, inviting you into the process um, we're going to start in verse 10, which says, the one who has entered his rest. Whose rest? God's rest. It's a capital H. Capital H is for, for him. <clears throat> has himself also rested from his work. So what are we talking about here? Um, we're talking about resting in what Jesus has done for us. We are saved by faith and not by works, right? So we rest in what Jesus has done for us, as God rested from his works, Sabbathing. Therefore, let us, again, like, therefore. I mean, once you start noticing that all these verses start with so, since then, therefore, because, you're never going to get anywhere because you realize you have to pull in all this context all the time, which is so good, and that's the way it was intended to be read. So, therefore, connected to the previous verse, 
let us be diligent to enter that rest. I love this because sometimes we think like resting means just turning everything off. No, no, no. We have to work to get to that rest. It, it is intentional. We don't just end up there by accident, right? We have to work, be diligent to enter the rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. There's so many words I could pick apart in here to describe and go back even further and further, like I said. But the point of this passage is that our disobedience is failing to trust. It's failing to rest in what he has already done for us. And it's leaning on our own understanding, right? And so don't fall into that. Trust and have faith in him who has done it. Verse 12, keep going to our passage today. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you go, how is this rest connected to the word of God? Well, the word of God is what's going to lead us into it, right? Through the word of God, we discover truth that pierces all the way to our thoughts and intentions, it says, sharpening us and leading us into this beautiful fellowship with him. That's what the word of God does. And so let's look at the words now. What does it do? How does it do it? It's living and active. When I think about this, again, I told you this, but I would normally summarize this first and say, okay, the word of God is, the word of God is alive and active. Got it. I got Hebrews 4.12. I know the gist of it. But this is what, I, what I've been sitting with as I think about this in um, just how it plays out. Last year, I think I was eight months pregnant with crew. And um, I taught, I don't even remember what I taught on, but I invited one of my best friends, Abby, to come and share her testimony. Do you remember that? And Abby is, last summer, was walking through a just heavy season of darkness and depression and anxiety, and it was just weighing on her, weighing her down. She could not function. She couldn't take care of her kids. It was just pervasive in her life and in her body. And she had several women from the church and beyond praying for her and walking through life with her and encouraging her and speaking truth over her, reading scripture to her. And this one woman in particular um, met with her and talked her through 1 Corinthians 2.16. And 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that we have the mind of Christ. And it was as she read this passage, you guys, I kid you not, I, I just can't even believe it because I spent so much time processing and praying and walking through this stuff with her. And all of a sudden, it was like the blinders were taken off from her eyes. And she realized, I am letting lies control me. My mind is full of things that are not of God. And I have the mind of Christ. And scripture says that I have the mind of Christ. And I'm agreeing with all these things that I think are my thoughts and are true and are real. And they're lies from the enemy. And I am going to shut those out, and I'm going to take on the mind of Christ. I'm going to embrace it and align my thoughts with his. And I guarantee, I mean, I just can't even, it was like, she's one of my very dearest friends in the whole world. And I watched it firsthand as literally life came back to her body. Like, Like, you can't make this stuff up. It was like the word of God just changed her from the inside and I, I just, I think this is what it means when it says that scripture is alive and active. A dead thing cannot do that. 
when you encounter the word of God, you're not bringing your life to it. It is bringing life to you because it's the living word of God. And it transforms and it changes and it literally leads people to be walking one direction and turn and start walking the other direction. It brings people from life to death. It's so powerful. And it's not this, the word of God has no wrinkles. It's not this old archaic, you know, document, although it is old and archaic, but it's not. It, it's this fresh, beautiful, living, moving. When you have a conversation with someone, you're interacting with them. You're asking them a question. They're responding. You're thinking. You're talking. You're growing as you're, you know, having this conversation and interaction. It's changing what you want to do in the future. Or maybe um, you're just making notes and it will later. That's what the word of God does. It's like we're interacting with it and it's changing us, and it's transforming us. That's what it means by living and active. The second thing we see, it's sharper than a sword. I have no idea where we are, but right? That's the next thing. It's living, active. Let's look at sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow. This is a confusing one for me because I'm like, how do marrow and joints go together because they're not really touching, right? Because the marrow's inside the bone and then the bones are the joints that connect them. Okay, you're with me. So the way I read this when I'm like, Lord, okay, what does, how does the word of God actually pierce like a sword through joints and marrow? I'm, the way I read it, and this could be wrong, there's other pastors in the room, but um, it cuts through the inside and the outside. The marrow's on the inside. It is the core of the bone, right? And the joints are on the outside. The sword that is the word of God is sharp enough to cut through it all, through the inside and the outside. The soul are natural and the spirit are spiritual. It touches everything. It's piercing right through the chinks in the armor exactly where it needs to go, touching exactly what it needs to touch with exact precision. It's sharp. Have you ever tried to make dinner with a dull knife? It's not pretty. Have you ever sliced a vegetable with like a brand new knife or meat or chicken or something? It's like, wow. You go, that is, this is nice, right? It's precise. It's exact. And that's what the word of God does in our life. What is it doing when it cuts and pierces? Look at the last part of this passage. It's discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Or if your Bible says judging the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I, I prefer the um, translation discerning because I, I want us to remember that this is written to a group of Christians and there's no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus, right? So this is not talking about like judgment, judgment in the end, right? This is just talking about it discerns as in authoritatively, and clearly and objectively divides. This is the way of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. This is not of the Lord. It's not that, it's this. And it cuts and it slices and it pierces and it makes us aware all the way to the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And I think this is what it really comes down to. I asked you this week um, in the blurb, I don't know if anyone reads it, but it's fun writing it. Um, If you had got a text message, a little ping, with every thought you've had today, it started, you know, 
this morning. Bing, bing, bing. Sometimes we're thinking, I mean, all the time, we're thinking things, and we're not even aware that we're thinking them, right? They just cross our mind. Things just cross our mind, and they have, we're not even aware of our thoughts. If you had a text message sent to you, bing, 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 with every thought that you were thinking today, would you say that your mind is a place that the Lord is reigning and ruling? Or does it feel like a free-for-all? What do you think? Like, is it out of control, what you would see in that text thread? I had someone after the beach service come up and say, that was really convicting. I think 1% of my thoughts would be of the Lord and 99 are of my own flesh. And this sword would cut him and say no. I'm like, wow, to realize that, what would you say? So this summer, um, my dad preached a sermon at the beginning of the summer on Colossians 3, and we started memorizing it as a family. Even three-year-old Claire, it's so cute. And it says, um, set your mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your heart on the things above, not on earthly things. We do the hand motions with it. And I just, I'm blown away because I've been doing some housekeeping and I've been taking inventory of every single thought, not getting text messages, but writing a lot of it down and going, Lord, is this of you? Is this of you? Is this aligning with your word and your way in scripture or not? Because if it's not, I want to cut it out. I have studied this word and I've given my life to Jesus. And over you know, the course of my life, I strive to be made into the image of Christ. And from all of my actions outwardly and my life to reflect and look like his. And in a lot of ways they do. But when I look at my heart and my mind, is that a place that also looks like him? Or is there conflict there? And I don't, wanna, I don't want there to be any conflict. I want to be fully his. I want to be fully transformed so that there's no like, oh, this is of me and this is God. I want to be fully thinking like I have the mind of Christ and that is ruling and reigning his thoughts and his words and his ways in my life and in my heart. That's my, my true desire. And so what I've been doing is I've been opening the word of God and allowing it to transform me because it does. I read this um, book series this summer that's ridiculous. Don't ask me what it is. I'll tell you if you want to know. But it's a, this weird sci-fi series. It's kind of like Lord of the Rings-ish. And um, this mom from my son's school was like, you read a book of mine, I'll read one of yours. And this is the one I read. And anyway, I'm blown away because it's this mystical, magical land. Most of you know like the gist of Lord of the Rings. So picture that with all of this wild magic stuff happening, okay? And it's making me aware of the fact that we sometimes have this small picture of, of what the Spirit of God and the Word of God does. Like, we just think in terms of natural things. And we are living in a spiritual world, and there are things happening around us in the spiritual realm that are happening, I promise, Scripture says they are, that we don't understand. And I just wish that we could, like, Go into fantasy world for a second and just imagine that when we hold our Bible, it's trembling. Like, I wish that we could have the imagination to picture this book is actually like when we hold it, it is trembling with power. And when we open it and crack it open, it's like light just bursts out of it, like blinding light. And when we read it, this 
this power is swirling around us in and through our mind as we're reading it and taking it in. And I just, I think we just let it be a dusty book on the shelf because the enemy is like, no, no, just keep it over there. That old piece of paper, that old thing. And it's, it's literally full of power. It is full of power. And when we read it, we're transformed by it. You guys, when people read the word of God, they give their lives to Jesus and go from death to life. They literally turn and change and walk in the direction of pursuing God and walk away from sin. It is freedom over sin. It is power to heal and it releases miracles and leads us into peace and joy, fullness of joy, because it leads us to his presence. It, it breaks strongholds and we're holding this book that I just wish that when we opened it, Sometimes when I open, I just, I wish that we had more reverence and awe knowing that we're opening the word of God and that it evoked like butterflies in our stomach, you know, as we're like, we're, we're about to look at words, the God of creation who spoke and created things into existence by his word, spoke and wrote this word for us to have. And we're about to read it and encounter it, the words of the living God. Do we know what we have in this book? Do we know that it's truth and that it holds power to lead us? Do we look at it and say, like, there's power flowing from this thing? Because I think the enemy wants us to be just thinking this is like a dusty old book on the shelf. Don't open that. You don't need that. Look around at the world, at your neighbors, at the parents from your kids' school, at the people at your club. Measure your life. How you doing? See how you're doing on social media with your engagement or whatever. And the Lord's like, this is what I have for you. This is my standard for you. I want to lead you into life and freedom. And if you're letting the enemy rule and get in your thoughts and your mind and your heart and your life on the outside looks like it's aligned with this, but your heart on the inside isn't aligned with this, you're missing out on what he has for you. And the way that he wants to transform your heart and your mind to match his, to be free from that, to have the scales ripped off, to see with new color and clarity and perspective, and to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that when you interact with people, you're bringing light to them. The way that that happens is that we read the word of God and we're sharpened by it. It pierces to our very core, to our heart, to our thoughts, to our intentions, it knows what we need to hear, what parts need to be touched and transformed, and it does the work in us. But we have to open it. We have to read it. We have to treasure it. We have to look at it like it is that treasure, and we're about to encounter the living God when we go there with him, right? I want that for us. So let's pray. Lord. I'm just reminded of um, Matthew 6, Lord, when you say, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink. Don't live like the Gentiles. You're not a Gentile. And I just, I'm reminded that we are yours, Lord, that we are living for more, that we're living for heaven, that we're living for something else. And we get so distracted. And the playbook, the secret to how to live for what you lead us to live for 
your kingdom is in this book, Lord. It's your word that is alive and active and you want to use it to change us and to transform us into your image. So Lord, I pray that you would. I pray that you would take away the distraction. Lead us in how to understand it and read it, Lord. Lead us to open it because I know when we do, it will transform us. I'm experiencing the change in my life and it is profound. Health in my body, Lord, as I let go of bitterness or fear or anxiety over certain things, Lord, I feel it in my body. The power of your truth. You want that for every single one of us, Lord. So I ask now that you would remove the scales from our eyes, identify the lies in our thoughts and in our hearts, the things that we're holding on to. Lord, pierce us right to the thoughts and intentions and the core and the gut and make us aware, Lord, of what is not of you. That we might tear it out and stomp all over it and free that space up to replace it with what is good and true and noble and right and pure and excellent and praiseworthy. You want us to think about those things, Lord. This is a battle and it's silly to think about it like that. When I read these weird books about war and battle, I think it's crazy, but that's what it is, Lord. There's spiritual forces and enemies at work here that are deceiving us into thinking that what's in our heart and mind doesn't matter. We can keep that to ourselves, and that is not true. You want to lead us to freedom there, Lord. And as we experience freedom there, we will be changed. Our lives will be changed. Our bodies will be changed. You say it in your word, God. So do it now, Lord. We don't want to wait any longer. Make us aware. We, drop, we just drop those things at your feet, Lord. We set our minds on the spirit and life and peace and pray for transformation in the renewing of our minds that we might discern your perfect and good and pleasing will. Would your peace, which surpasses all understanding, literally guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. Guard us. Would our heart and mind be sacred spaces where you rule and you reign? We want it, Lord. So would you lead us there? Thank you, Father. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Brooke. We're going to transition into a time of the Lord's Supper and some closing worship. Elements are being passed. So just invite you, as you will, to take the elements and pass them back to the back. And as the elements are moving along, just want you in a moment of silent reflection to reflect on what you heard. And hearing is one thing. And then taking that into your life, into your body, 
The scripture even gives this picture of us eating the word, ingesting it. What is something that the Holy Spirit prompted you as Brooke talked? Something that could show up in your week. So we hold in our hands uh, the Word of God. It's written, and He also became a man. And so we take these elements, these, these very, very simple, common, everyday elements, bread and the fruit of the vine. And Jesus took them on the night before he was betrayed, and he took a loaf of bread with his 12 disciples, and he broke it. He said, this is my body. It's broken for you. And he invited them to take and eat it. This is our invitation to actually take Christ and ingest him, to be filled with all of who Jesus is, who is the word of God in the flesh. So I invite you to take, let's partake together. And as the supper concluded, he took a cup and he held it up and he said, this represents the blood that in a moment is going to be shed on the cross. In the Old Testament, it was understood that life was found in the blood. Jesus was literally giving his life and shedding his blood he said, for the complete forgiveness of our sins. So when we drink this cup, we celebrate Jesus, the cross, the resurrection, and what he's done for us that we can't do for ourselves. So I invite you um, to partake. Fully. Let's worship together. Will you stand as we conclude? Here is where I lay it down, every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. I will make I will make room for you, do whatever you want to, 
do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to yeah here's where i lay it down here's where i pick up your love and your goodness your kindness here is where here is where i lay it down every burden every crown this is my surrender this is my surrender here is where i lay it down every lie and every doubt this is my surrender and i will make you Jesus to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to yeah I will make room for you Holy Spirit to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want let's sing that again I will make room I will make you Jesus to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to yeah I will make room for you Holy Spirit to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to so shake up the ground of all my tradition break down the walls all my religion your way is better your way is better so shake up the ground of all my tradition break down the walls all my religion your way is better your way is blessing it one last time shake up so shake up the ground of all my tradition break down the walls all my religion your way is better and your way is better so i will make room for you holy spirit to do whatever you want to to do whatever you want to you Jesus to do whatever you want to do whatever you want I will make room for you do 
Lord, we make room for you, Holy Spirit. We know that when we give you space, you lead us well. There isn't a place in our hearts or our lives that we couldn't give over to you and meet you in mercy and grace and goodness and love. So, Lord, we come to you with all those places, and we ask that you would lead us and guide us. Make the word come alive to us. We say no to the enemy's schemes of a dirty, dusty old book, Lord. But just as Brooke said, may it come alive to us. May we see the shooting light coming out of it as we open it up. And would you lead us and would you guide us? May your word pierce through our hearts because it's in that that life explodes inside of our bones. So we love you, Jesus. We honor you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We love you, God. We worship you. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining, guys. Keep hume people in your prayers. Well, uh, do you want to say something? Hey, I got a I got a last little thought. Just one second. Um, I was at a memorial service um, yesterday. Bill was there and several others for Reese Lenders, a young man, 25 years old, died in a plate crash. Godly man, and he and his um, his mother and father, the Lender family, is part of our community, Christian community now for what 30 plus years, 40 years, goes way back. And so we were, we were there at the service, and Rod got up to share the dad. And, and it just came to me, and I just think this is so important, the way God works. He shared that they were studying through the Bible, reading the Bible through a year. And the day that their son, they got news that their son was killed in a, in a plane crash, they didn't read the scripture that day. They were off one day. And he went back to that verse, to that chapter, Psalm 77, and read it. The day that his son died, the passage of scripture that was for them to read that day was about the anguish of the soul, the lamenting of the soul. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do with all my grief and all my sorrow? What am I going to do? I am deep within my grief and my sorrow, but you are going to to meet me in it. That was the passage the day that his son, their son passed away. That's the living word of God. And as Brooke was speaking, just the, it's, it's alive. And that's what the word of God did in their life. It restored their soul in the greatest amount of grief and anguish. The word of God was living and God knew that was the passage that they needed. That's why we open our scriptures. It is so powerful, and it's for us every day, and there's a message for you in it. So enjoy.